Good morning. Good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon, and I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. It is Monday, October 2nd, and I'm broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show as we recap Saturday's college football. Virginia Tech gets a win Sunday. The Commanders lose in overtime and preview tonight's Monday night football action live from Capital Ale House. So it is October 2nd, which means we begin the spooky month. My crazy, my favorite month of the year every year. Love Halloween. And spooky month means spooky season and crazy things can happen. And that's what happened in the fourth quarter of that Commanders-Eagles game. I thought no way in hell the Commanders had a shot there when the Eagles were in field goal range to basically kneel down and then kick the game-winning field goal. Instead, they burn Emmanuel Forbes on a double move. The Commanders get a chance to go down the field, and that is exactly what they did, and that's where we will begin today. We're going to start with yesterday's game. The Eagles defeat the young commanders team in overtime. No, it's not a moral victory. It's a loss. It's absolutely a loss. It's a big fat L, but it's a loss that I think you can certainly build off of, especially with a short week and a winnable game against the Chicago Bears at home. To me, that's a must-win game. Got to get above 500 once again, get to 3-2 and two with a win on Thursday. But today, it's less of a misery Monday, all right? Less of a misery Monday and more of a what Ron Rivera said to reporters, quote, there's no moral victories, but this will help us going forward. It's a help us going forward Monday here on AWOD Radio, and that's where we will begin with the Eagles versus the Commanders, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Stubb, let me hear that Commanders theme song here to get me going as the Commanders fall to the Eagles 34-31 in overtime. Place to play. Uh, and it came down to overtime and the final call of the game right here as the Eagles, Jake Elliott, nails a 54-yard field goal. Let's play the call. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Goal! And the Eagles win! The Eagles win! Lights out. Jake oh, Elliott does it with his fourth field goal of the day. Yeah, the fourth field goal of the day there was the backbreaker for the Commanders. And look, in my opinion, the game plan for Washington defensively, from the mind of Jack Del Rio, whether you like it or not, was to make Jalen Hurts beat them with his arm. And they played a ton of cover two, a ton of zone, leaving openings in the corner of the defense, and he threaded those openings with a needle. It was impressive. He had a ton of impressive throws. Now, personally, I thought they could have gotten a Jalen quicker. All right? And they didn't really start blitzing until the fourth quarter in overtime. And I said all week, I hate Jack Del Rio's approach of saying, hey, we have four first-round picks on the defensive line. They need to win. They need to win their individual matchup. No, every team around the league, they're sending five and six guys. And they're getting to Washington. And they're making game-changing sacks like they did against Sam Howell there in the third quarter. Yeah, we're rushing four all day and, and giving Jalen Hurts time after time after time to throw the ball. So to me, this loss is on Jack Del Rio. And damn it, we blew a game in which your young quarterback, Sam Howell, had zero turnovers. You cannot let that happen again. Let's start, though, with the good. And the good is that Sam Howell looked excellent. I repeat, your fifth-round pick in his fifth career start looked excellent, bouncing back in a big way from last week's disaster. The offense was humming, moving the ball, converting third downs, scored early. Scored seven when they got to the red zone. And they took it to the Philadelphia Eagles in the first quarter. And that it was it was really impressive. And it included a game-tying 60-yard drive 
by slinging Sammy Howell in the fourth quarter. The Eagles were flagged six times in the first half for 30 yards. Those were three costly flags. That was big for the commanders. That's part of the good, forcing the Eagles to get those penalties. Sam Howell forced overtime there with the 10-yard pass to Jahan Dotson just as time expired, leading the commanders on a 10-play, 64-yard drive in the final minute and 43 to shock the home crowd there. And the commanders could have won it to start overtime. But they went three and out on the opening drive because McLaurin landed on the Eagles player's wrist just completely unluckily there. But Howell finishes with 290 yards passing and a score, a rating of 90.6. This may have been the certified game of the week, right? How many other games went to overtime? It was incredible. Let's play the call here of Jahan Dotson's catch to send this baby to overtime. In the game, Washington needs to score. Second and goal from the 10. Snap to Howe. Surveying. Throws to the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! Jahan Dotson! Unbelievable! My goodness! Yes! Oh, my, indeed. And this is why you want Jahan Dotson into the game. When you have two great receivers like Terry McClellan and Jahan Dotson, you get those guys a chance. This is the biggest catch of Jahan Dotson's young career. Unreal. Went right. up and grabbed it. It was Oops. over his head. Reels it in. And now Joey Sly is on Going to tie the game. He's got to make this. The tie. No time on the clock. This would send it to overtime. And that was the call on the Commander's Radio Network. As heard right here on 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. It was a back and forth game. And it was a fun one. That was definitely the good. Another with the good, I definitely wanted to include, you had a Chase Young appearance, a sack in the game. Uh, I wanted to say, hey, Deron Payne had a bunch of sacks. Jonathan Allen had a bunch of sacks. Montez Sweat. No, it was Chase Young with the sack for the commanders. Let's take a listen to the call. This year. Second and eight. Hurts to throw. Under pressure. Chase Young gets to him and hammers him down. Former Rookie of the Year who's finally healthy. Gets- and what I loved about that sack is that he grabbed Jalen Hurts by the shoulder as he was running by him and had the strength to keep holding on and then bring him down. So that wraps up the good here. We move over to the bad in the 34-31 loss. And that's the secondary. I mean, A.J. Brown torched the commander's secondary. He caught nine passes for 175 yards and two touchdowns, including what seemed to be the game-winning score when he was targeted 13 times, his 28-yard touchdown on second and four with a minute and 43 left, gave the Eagles the lead. Uh, You know, if you're talking about the bad, it should also include DeAndre Swift here, four yards per carry for 56 yards. To me, it felt like he ate in the middle of the field, dodging multiple commanders in the backfield and pushing forward, picking up crucial yardage all game long. And then we get to the ugly here. And to me, the ugly was allowing Jalen Hurts to look like an all-pro quarterback. 319 yards, no turnovers. Ran the ball for 34 yards. He just carved up Washington over and over again. Converted both fourth downs. He scored seven anytime the Eagles needed a scoring drive. Washington's defense simply could not get a stop. That's the the problem was. The ugly at times was absolutely A.J. Brown destroying Emmanuel Forbes on double moves, making the rookie look like a rookie. The Commanders only ran 10 plays in the third quarter. That's part of the ugly, too. What happened in that third quarter? They only put up 23 yards. The first drive, you had Dotson, very frustrating. He had a pass go right through his hands on third and floor. The next drive, 
had a sack in which the Eagles blitzed and got right to Sam Howell. So the sack left Washington punting the ball back to the Eagles, who had just taken the lead. And you know what? It's just a reminder that every single game comes down to small details, small details. Here's A.J. Brown after the game speaking with reporters. He said, quote, how were they playing me? Uh, man. They gave the young boy, Emmanuel Forbes, a lot of respect. Man, he was following me, and he started following me, and it was like one-on-one coverage most of the time. So they gave him a lot of respect coming into the game, and A.J. Brown was able to torch him. So here's from CBS Sports. Why did the Commanders lose this game? They say Washington played well enough to win the game, but Ron Rivera deciding not to go for two and the win instead decides to force overtime was a bit of a head-scratcher. They say even though Rivera didn't go for two and kicks the extra point with no time left to force overtime, the commander still had an opportunity to win the game by scoring a touchdown in an extra period by having the ball first. Washington instead went three and out and gave the ball right back to Philadelphia. Rivera's reasoning for not going in for two, he said, quote, the offense was gassed. They really were. It was a long drive. Well, the irony is the defense might have been gassed also. Rivera had his team ready to play, but he couldn't finish on a strong performance by his football team. I'm not mad at him for not going for two there. Look, if there were like five seconds on the clock, I say go for two, and then maybe there's a chance if you miss it, you can get the onside kick and, and grasp at a, a late field goal. But with zero time on the clock, exactly zero seconds. And I do agree that the offense was gassed. Maybe the defense was more gassed. Uh, but look, we had been throwing, throwing, throwing. It's not like we had been running successfully that drive. And Brian Robinson on the goal line had also fumbled the ball into the end zone. I have no problem kicking the field goal there, uh, kicking the extra point, going to overtime. You had your chance to win in overtime. So many things had to go wrong. I mean, you win the, the coin toss. Usually that leads to a win. Terry McClure makes an incredible catch. Oh, no, but his toe is by the slightest of margins out of bounds. And then it's a bad punt. And then they convert a fourth and one. And then we knock them back, but then they get nine yards on a blitz where Jack Del Rio shouldn't have blitzed. It's like he hasn't blitzed all game. And then he chooses the worst opportunity to blitz and allows the Eagles to get nine yards and turn a 63-yard field goal in a 54-yard makeable field goal. So that was so frustrating right there. And it is a frustrating Monday. Not as much a misery Monday as, hey, we had him. We had him. What did Ron Rivera say? This is a help us going forward Monday, and that's exactly how I feel as it is a short week with the Commanders trying to turn it around Thursday against the Chicago Bears. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, we will be talking Commanders throughout the show today. Matthew Paris will hop on the program at 2.30. Danny Ruye, funny Danny from Grant Danny at 1.30. And we'll switch it up and talk a little Hokies after they got the win at 12.30 with Andy Bitter on University Drive. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. That was the call on Fox of Brian Robinson's impressive 15-yard touchdown run. The middle of the field opened it up, opened up, and it seems impossible to stop Brian Robinson with a full head of steam. He was terrific in the commander's loss. Uh, 45 yards on the ground, 3.2-yard average, but that long 15-yard run touchdown and uh, also two catches for six yards. I I thought, you know, he was great when they needed him to pick up first downs. He doesn't get credit for another touchdown because although he he tackled or trucked about six or seven guys, he fumbled into the end zone uh, and Terry McLaurin recovered it. 
but yeah, it was still a good game from Brian Robinson Jr. Let's get to my box score breakdown here on the Commander's Corner. And one thing that I saw on social media, according to PFF, we talked about the pressures that Sam Howell took, right, and the sacks. Andrew Wiley, the right tackle that came over from Kansas City and has struggled this season, to say the least, allowed seven pressures, five hurries, a quarterback hit, and a sack of Sam Howell mixed in there. They got to do something uh, against guys like Hassan Reddick when they're going against Andrew Wiley. We knew that was going to be an issue uh, with Reddick's speed around the outside. They're going to have to start having a tight end over there to help out because he's just not been good enough. Uh, box score breakdown, Sam Howe, 21-9 of 41, 290 yards, no turnovers. And I, that's why I think Washington wasted a chance to win a game with your young quarterback having a clean sheet. Uh, you have to win like that. Team ran for 107 yards, but they also gave up 104. But when you're looking at the box score, the biggest thing that sticks out has to be A.J. Brown's nine catches for 175 yards against the Commanders. Two touchdowns. He worked Emmanuel Forbes. He burned Kendall Fuller. He got pass interference called on St. Juice. The whole team got it bad. Um, third down efficiency is also something that stands out. That's a big positive on the box score. Commanders under 500, 8 of 17, but they held the Eagles to 4 of 12. I mean, Washington got stops in this game. I think the defense deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, yes, the Eagles were also 2-on-2 two on, two on fourth down, uh, so that ruins the third down conversions a little bit. But team stats, 365 yards for the Commanders compared to 415 for the Eagles. Commanders had more first downs, 26-23, to 23, and won the time of possession, 35-30. to 30. It was a winnable game. A game in which they had a victory, uh, had the lead in the second quarter and tied it in the fourth and had the ball in overtime to go win the game. If McLaurin's foot was called in bounds, I truly think they win that game. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. You can call Stubb, he'll put you on the line and talk to AWOD, 833-804-0910. Here's my who, what, when, where, how, and why the Commanders lost. The who? The 2-2 two two Washington Commanders, after a great start to the season, are now back to 500. In a conference, to me, that seems to have plenty of open playoff spots. I mean, I see three wild card spots up for grabs. Other than San Fran and Philly, every team has big flaws. This is a Washington Commanders team that has some momentum on the offensive side of the ball. They drove the length of the field another two minutes to tie the game. That's going to be film on tape that they will enjoy re-watching as they prepare for the Bears on Thursday night football. The what? The what is, what I don't understand is how the Eagles have both of their tackles getting away with total false starts. I talked about this last segment. They move their entire body before the snap. It's infuriating when you're watching. It seems so illegal, so illegal. I mean, speaking of illegal things that they do, what I don't understand is how the tush push is allowed in football. It's not an NFL play. They also got a head start on that play. What I don't understand is how Terry McLaurin's foot was out of bounds because the Eagles' arm got underneath of him. There's no way that a speck of his cleat didn't hit the grass. I refuse to believe that. The toe looked in, too. The win, for me, the win is when this game flipped was Antonio Gibson's fumble in the red zone. He recovered it and then ran out of bounds. Should have stayed in and ran 40 seconds off the clock. The Eagles ended up with a big play to Devonta Smith on the deep pass. That was the first of many deep shots. It was like that moment they realized, hey, we can take a deep shot on the commander's secondary. They got a field goal. They went down the field. They scored again. They blitzed us out of the second half. Part of that momentum started with that two-minute drill. Where was this game won? Where? The where, to me, is in the secondary. I mean, it came down to which quarterback could sling it downfield for more yardage. 
You know, Sam Howell held his own and looked incredible at times, but Hurts beat Washington with his legs and a ton with his arm. They dared him to, and that's exactly what he did. Over to his best friend, A.J. Brown. Uh, they call him Batman. He looked superhuman against the Commanders. How? How is how did B enemy make changes to the offense? Because that was impressive. There were a ton of passes that looked like extensions of the run game, the screens, the rollout throws to McLaurin, quick passes outside, made it easier on Sam. It was almost like B enemy said, all right, after the Bills game, look, scrap it. We'll start from scratch again. Let's go back to the drawing board. What did you do successfully in college, right? He called a very impressive game. Uh, I like the Logan Thomas tush push there. Eagles are going to do it. Hey, we've got a former QB that's big and strong. We can do that too. I liked the end round of Samuel in which he walked into the end zone, and I loved the play calling on the game-tying drive, getting players out of bounds. The why. Why did the defensive line not make a bigger impact? Chase Young had just one sack. What else did the defensive line do? I mean, James Smith-Williams got faked out by Hurts on that 30-yard run, and they gave up big runs over and over again. The defensive line is one of the reasons why Washington lost this game. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD Radio, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. Let's go to the phone lines. Robert in Glen Allen. Robert, you're on the fan with AWOD. Hey, Wad, I, I am a Commanders fan by default because my wife likes them, and I'm a big Taylor Heineke fan, as you know, and I always, I, I, most of the time enjoy J.T. Finley. He's got his finger on the pulse up in Washington, but he put something out after the game that just, just, just blows my mind. He says, after that performance, how belongs. Like, he's the guy now, you know, after a loss. So, you know, Heineke goes up there and wins, and he doesn't belong, and they did nothing. Quarter Finley, every time he made a, you know, one error, they ripped him up. And then Howe goes up there and loses, and he belongs. And it just makes me irate. If your jury's out on Howe, I like him. Seems like a nice kid, got some talent. But, you know, everybody should be given the same amount of leash. And uh, I don't think he's going to have a big leash after he, you know, he did terrible the week before and had a decent game, but lost this week. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, here's, here's, really what, I, here's what I think. Maybe, Robert, right. here's so. what I think about Sam Howe for a second here. Because, look, I, I do think the jury's still out on him. It, you know, he's a young quarterback. This was his fifth career start. He's had highs and lows. It's been a true roller coaster of a season for a rookie quarterback. I was very impressed by that final drive. And I think that is some some stuff that maybe Heineke couldn't have done. I mean, that final throw to Dotson was a laser that I don't know if our, if Heineke has the harm strike to make that pass. Heineke's do, doing some good stuff last season, dancing around in the pocket, making magic. Uh, the, the jury's still out on Sam Howell, but I don't know how you could watch that game and say you weren't at least a little bit impressed with the young quarterback. Would you say that? I'm impressed. He's okay. I'm just saying we're going to find out. Heineke's going to be starting in the next two weeks. In Atlanta, he's going to roll up into Washington, and then it's going to be a good, fun game, uh, you know, in a few weeks. We're going to see. Robert, Robert, but you watched that game. I want to get your take on why Jack Del Rio's not blitzing enough. It doesn't make any sense to me while he's sitting back rushing for Jalen Hurts had all day in the pocket. I think they were they were playing the run. They were they were looking run, and they think they're afraid if they blitz up the middle, the run might pop outside, and that's the only thing I can think of. But I mean, you're, you pick your poison, and, and Hurts beats you with his arm, which everybody thinks that's his weakest uh, 
facet of his game, but obviously he, he came through and, and put some really nice balls down deep. Yeah, good call, man. I appreciate you chiming in. It does make you wonder whether Hertz is that good or Emmanuel Forbes was just that bad. According to Pro Football Focus, he was targeted 13 times. 13 times. Gave up nine catches for 197 yards. It was a tough day for the rookie. Uh, meanwhile, Christian Gonzalez has been impressive for the Patriots, and that's a guy that was drafted one pick after Emmanuel Forbes. Makes you wonder. Now, I'm still in on Forbes, but it definitely makes you wonder. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. You guys know the bit. Phone lines are always open throughout the show here on AWOD Radio. It's 833-804-0910. You can be the quarterback or GM of this segment. Just call in 833-804-0910. Let's go to Frank in Mechanicsville. Frank, you're on the fan with AWOD. What's going on, bud? Hey, AWOD. How you doing, bro? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's not as much a misery Monday as, as much it is. Uh, to me, it feels like, look, we learned a lot. We moved forward. Now it's a must win on Thursday. Yeah, a- absolutely spot on. I disagree with that previous caller's stance on how. I mean, yeah, the jury is still out, but uh, Heineke could have made throws like uh, Sam makes with the arm that he has. He's got the same ability factor, but I think he's a major upgrade from Heineke. I loved Heineke when he played here, but, you know, Heineke was in the future, and Sam looks like he could be that guy for us. And, yeah, I mean, it, you know, everyone's calling a moral victory Monday. I'll, I'll take that. You know, to, to be uh, – to be – or to only have our two losses be against the Bills and the Eagles isn't a bad thing. I mean, you're looking at probably a Super Bowl contender in the Bills and a team that's going to be right there in the Eagles. We proved that we can step up. The offense can move the ball. EB called probably the best game, obviously, of his early yeah. career that he's called. Got the ball out quick. Sam made smart throws. He, the sacks that he took weren't egregious. And, you know, there's something to look forward to. On, on the flip side, I think Jack Del Rio made some bad decisions. You know, you saw Forbes getting deep, deep. I, if it was me personally, I would have switched him off of um, of uh, Brown and, and put somebody else on him and give, give the kid a, uh, a breather. You know, he was getting overworked. He was getting mentally worked, too. And you could see it, his frustration. Uh, I think Jack needs to continue to step up and make better game plans um, when, we're, when we're going against these teams that have dual-threat quarterbacks and, and really strong wide receivers. Uh, I think Forbes yeah. will bounce back, uh, and hopefully we you know, we don't have the Thursday night scaries like we usually have, and we can get a win over the Browns. I mean, excuse me, the Bears. Yeah, good call, man. Good call, man. I appreciate yeah. it. And it is frustrating to lose a game in which Sam Howell has no turnovers. Really didn't make that many mistakes. 29 of 41 for 290 yards. And you, defensively, you're right. I do think the blame goes go on Jack Del Rio. You had A.J. Brown making uh, uh, some headlines with a quote after the game saying he noticed Forbes was one-on-one with him and he just took advantage of him and he just completely burned him with the double move there at the end of the game. Let's go back to the phone lines here. Uh, let's go to line one. Line one, driver in Richmond. You're on the fan with AWOD. Hi, what's happening, AWOD? What's up, dude? How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I was calling, man. I heard y'all was uh, bashing my man Forbes, man. He had a rough day at the office, man. He a young kid. 
Um, I'm not ready to throw him by the wayside yet. We ain't throw Sam Howell with the ugly game he had last week. We ain't throw him away. So uh, we're going to give him another chance. I think expectations are pretty high. Uh, Jack Del Rio is the one that, that should have made that change. You know, he should have went to a different yeah. coverage. Uh, he kept playing that man coverage. He should have went to something else. He should have went to uh, maybe two high or a different kind of cover, cover three or cover two or something. But, uh, um, I know you're right. No, you're uh, right, man. I appreciate the call. Let me let me just say, you're right. I was hard on Emmanuel Forbes. I should have been harder on Jack Del Rio. I think it's just I have so many high expectations for him because he was drafted in the first yeah. round. It's the first round draft status that that why is why I was frustrated. Understood. Understood. Give him a chance, though, man. I think he's gonna be a good 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 turnout for y'all. Yeah, I hope so, man. I hope so. Appreciate you chiming I in. Why. Appreciate it. Yep. Yep, take care, man. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. All right, joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, you can hear him on Grant and Danny right here on 910 The Fan from 3 to 6.30. It's Danny Ruye. What's going on, bud? What do you say, brother? Before we go, I need Frank and Mechanicsville to call our show. That guy's fantastic. <laughs> He's got a podcast. Tell him to tweet me. at funny, Danny. I'm sitting there going, that's a good point. So was that. That was interesting. I hadn't thought of it. Tip of the cap to old Frankie. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we got some good callers here in Richmond, and they should call in to Grant and Danny and let them know that they listen to AWOD Radio. But what do you think of Sam Howell's bounce-back game, Danny? Tremendous. Uh, this was so needed. So, you know, I don't really do moral victories. It's not something that Ron Rivera gets to walk into Josh Harris's office, you know, in late January. And they'll go, well, there's an asterisk next to that one because you guys tried hard. I don't really do that, but there are positive things to be able to take out of this game, and that was one. This was the biggest game of this era here, talking about the enemy, Sam Howell, because of what happened last week, the context, right? They got the doors blown off. They couldn't protect Sam Howell. He got sacked nine times, hit 15 more. That is unsustainable. That's not a, oh, well, that's a bad game. That's a, you're on a record-setting pace for the most sacks and quarterback hits in the history of this game. Not sustainable. That's an injury. That's a, that's a developmental uh, you know, sort of fork in the road there where you become a David Carr or a Patrick Ramsey or some of these horror stories that we think of all the time. So a bounce-back game was needed. The enemy was far more creative. I thought Hal responded really well. He was really good in this game, dude. It gave them an absolute chance to win. Danny Rie with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. I'm going to try not to sound like a whiny baby, uh, but here it goes. The Eagles are, are the biggest cheaters in the NFL. I hate this tush-push. I hate that both of their tackles are able to lift out their outside leg and get an extra push every single snap, and because of that, it makes it harder for the pass rush. I don't understand how they're getting away with every single loophole in the NFL, Danny. Well, it's smart. I want my teams to do it. You know, I, for, for years, when the Patriots were cheating their bags off, I'm going, do that, do the same thing. Have the, the headsets go out and every, every fourth quarter drive. Have, uh, you know, all sorts <laughs> of technical bugaboos go wrong. Videotape other teams' practices. It'll, call, it'll cost you a draft pick like seven years later. Always worth it to me to do that. So uh, everyone should be doing it, quite frankly. Now, not everyone has Jalen Hurts who can squat you and I uh, and, and probably, you know, another, another uh, big hefty dude on top of him. But, yeah, it's the type of thing that everybody should be using. The thing that bothers me is the NFL's inconsistency about stuff. So years ago when I was a kid, this is before your time, if the ball carrier is running, he's made, or the defense makes contact, nobody could come in and do anything. Now you're pushing guys around like a rugby scrum. It's very common to just have right. piles moving here, there, and everywhere because they couldn't figure out a way to legislate it. They got rid of it on the defensive side. Remember, for field goals, extra points, goal line stands, those kind of things, you can't allow a defender to do what they're doing on offense because of player safety. 
Well, I guess it's much safer if the offense is doing it. I don't buy it. So it's legal. I would change the rule today to get rid of it. But, you know, the Eagles are smart. But I want more cheating for my teams. All you have to do is apologize later, even though even if the NFL has like a court hearing and hundreds of pages that violate the ideal gas law in terms of a scientific paper, it just costs you a little bit down the line. Cheat way more. Yeah, somebody's going to get seriously injured with the tush push. I, I, I mean, the piles are getting bigger and bigger. The commanders yep. did everything with Payne and Allen trying to go underneath to stop it. And, and they nearly did one time, but then burned them there in overtime. Issues mm-hmm. with the secondary and Jack Del Rio's play calling. To me, it's it's not as much personnel as it is play calling. I've been saying I hate the, the belief that you have four first-round picks and so you don't need to ever send a fifth guy. I hate that. Yeah, it certainly doesn't look good uh, through this handful of weeks, right? I mean, each year under Del Rio, there's been this kind of story where they go in with a plan, and he deserves credit for the second part of this, but they've gone in with the plan. That plan hasn't worked. A couple of years ago, it was moving Landon Collins out of the deep third into kind of this hybrid uh, linebacker safety sort of role. The defense improved. Um, you know, there's always been these kind of forks in the road where this has happened, and, you know, he's made the adjustment. The problem is you're giving away weeks at a time. This defense simply cannot be as bad as they've been through, the, through these first four games. Arizona, that was a much better effort, right? That, that's a pretty bad offense. They handled it. Montez Sweat stepped up and was fantastic in that game. You would know the story. But you can't let Denver walk down the field for the first three possessions scoring touchdowns. That team sucks, quite frankly. They're terrible. They may be the worst team in the NFL. Them in Chicago had a thumb war uh, yesterday to figure out who, who was the absolute worst. So that can't happen. You can't let Buffalo dominate you the way they did. Where you need those first-round picks, those $100 million men, they're in the middle. These are good players. I'm not telling you they're not good players. They're really, really productive. They're pro bowlers. They're stars. I think Montez Sweat is going to have his breakout year this year. You and I have been on uh, multiple times. I've talked about that. But those are the games where that offensive line for Philadelphia, they're really good. They are. They're one of the best in the league. They're going to do that to a lot of people. The investments that this organization has made in the Sweats, in the Allens, in the Pains, in the Chase Youngs, this is when it has to materialize. This is, they have to not just be good. They have to win games for you. That's why I think the design is flawed, by the way, in a league that's tilted towards offense. But regardless of that, it's too late to fix it now. This is how that team is built. Those guys can't just be passive, can't be fine, can't maybe impact a a drive or two. They have to win the game for you, and they're not doing it. So I'm with you. An adjustment needs to be made. And listen, uh, talking about Forbes, I heard the last caller before I hopped on uh, discussing that. A.J. Brown one-on-one against anybody, save maybe a sauce gardener or or maybe one or two other cornerbacks, is a mismatch. It's a terrible idea. That needed to change lickety-split. Credit to Philadelphia for figuring it out, right, and finding spots for Brown to go. He didn't line up in one spot. But that can't happen again. You cannot have A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith or C.D. Lamb coming up here uh, when they play the Cowboys one-on-one against anybody. That's just not going to be a recipe for success in this league that's geared towards passing. And Brown ate their lunch. Danny Ruye with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on social media at Funny Danny. I, I see Frank's already tweeting you, appreciating the kind words. Uh, Danny, do you have an issue with Ron Rivera kicking the extra point there at the end of regulation? I had no problem with it. Uh, I didn't. I, I heard you on the junkies. You didn't like his no. explanation. I didn't like it either. But I don't have an issue with kicking the extra point. No, I don't either. And I'm weird about going for two anyway. So I, I will fully acknowledge that. In, in general, I like. You know, I, I treat things with best practice, best possible outcome, right? In other words, if you play blackjack, you don't just wildly hit on 19s or stay on fours. You do the thing that gives you the best chance to win most often. Sometimes you lose. Process is the most important thing to me. So in general, I'm an advocate of that. There's, a, there's something about going for two. You know, I don't care what the chart says. I'm aware of all the data. 
I have no problem with people not going for two. The only times I would go for two personally are when I absolutely had to. In other words, there's no time left on the clock. I need two points to score. Fine. Or to tie, rather. I'll do that. If I'm not going to get the ball back enough times, then I'll go for two. So I have no issue uh, with, with you know going for the extra point there, trying to play that. I mean, you got the ball in overtime. You had as good a chance then yeah. to, to go win it as maybe you would have on a 50-50 play. Handing and off that's the only Robinson thing I would argue, kind of Danny. Yeah. The only thing I'd argue is that I would have maybe gone for fourth down in overtime. I know I'm probably crazy for that, but it was fourth and five. You had all the momentum. You know, you throw a shorter pass to McLaurin. He's definitely going to catch it. Unlucky him being out of bounds. But I just knew as soon as they punted the ball, the Eagles were going to win the game. Well, yeah, when Tressway, who is great, I mean, who's been nothing but good for you for a long time, punted the ball 29 yards, that was the ball game as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you yeah. gave it away there. So people are going to, you know, listen, if he goes for two, doesn't get it. He, he's the goat. I don't mean good either. Talking about Rivera. If they, you know, whatever you do, you're getting second guessed at that point. But I just know my proclivities. I have, I had no problem with it in real time. I had no problem with it, uh, uh, you know, after the fact, even though it didn't work out. To me, it is not a terrible idea to continue to play football. Now, I will say again, his explanation was so atrocious and so stupid. It made no <laughs> sense to me whatsoever where he said the guys were tired. So if the guys are tired, why are you signing up to play 10 more minutes of football? They were gassed. That, that didn't make any sense to me at all. Right. I can't stand his answers. His thought process stinks. Will we arrive at kind of a reasonable conclusion there? And then he, and then he won the coin toss, and he elects to give it back to his tired offense. <laughs> right. They were so exhausted. Now's the time to go. But I, I, I mean, maybe I knew what he meant, that they were huffing and puffing in that moment. But, man, I, you know, that's why you run all those sprints in August, right, to – to be able yeah. to have that winning moment right there where Philadelphia's on their heels. I know this, and again, I had no problem with the decision, so I'm not killing them for that. But I know this, had they gone for two, there'd have been a lot of puckered folks on that Philly sideline and in the, in the stands, they would not have been very comfortable with that. And maybe that's almost reason enough to do it, right? Is you yeah. think about if, 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 the, if the sides were flipped, if Philadelphia had scored that touchdown with zero time left on the clock at FedEx Field. Can you imagine what uh, Washington fans would have been doing in that moment. They're going, oh, my God, they're going for two, and they're going to get it. That was the feeling, right? That was probably the feeling in the park. So maybe that is the right thing to do. But, again, I, I had no problem with that decision. That's Danny Ruye from Grant and Danny, which you can hear right here on 910 The Fan from 3 to 630, Monday through Friday. Thanks a lot, bud. Appreciate you, dude. Have a good one. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, always available around the country on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. Just search 910 The Fan to hear me from 12 to 3. It gives you the ability to rewind, run some errands, pick up right where you left off. We've also got the podcast of the show. It's available on Spotify, iTunes, and more. Just search AWOD Radio to hear each hour or best of AWOD Radio. It's a full hour best of that we post every single day available for you on your drive home at 4 p.m. So we've been talking a lot of NFL throughout the show today. Mentioned on the sports app today is NBA Media Day uh, around the country, which is always exciting. was one of my favorite events to go to and cover uh, for 106.7 The Fan in D.C. when I was working for the Junks. But I didn't want to switch it up right now and go through all the latest movie news, TV, movies, podcasts, and more. Anything Hollywood and entertainment on Netflix. Netflix, the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix. All right, so speaking of the NFL, we do have an update on the story involving 
the movie The Blind Side. Remember, Michael Orr was in a conservative ship with Leanne Tui and Sean Tui, as you right, might remember, Orr was very upset after he was the inspirational for the movie The Blind Side, and he thought the Tui family had taken advantage of him as a teenager. So he filed a petition in August to terminate the near 20-year conservative ship, claiming he was tricked into giving up his decision-making rights and had thought he was being adopted at the time, right? Well, you know what happened is or is secretly sep uh, seeking the money he believes is owed to him, and he filed this. Well, the judge has dissolved the conservatorship involving Michael Orr and the 2E family. He is now able to collect his own money. The 2Es didn't contest ending the conservatorship. Uh, they're, they're basically splitting ways here. I, I doubt he's going to be having Thanksgiving with that family anytime soon. That story came to us today from the New York Times. Um, so other news that I want to get to here on Netflix today is obviously the writer strike ended last week. And because of that, shows like Jimmy Fallon, the late night show, are going to be returning this week. Um, and so that that's good news there. Uh, but we'll find out what's the latest with the actors uh, coming up here, obviously, in the next few days. I wanted to get to my reaction to the movie Rise. All right. This is available for everyone for free right now on Disney+. And it's the story, obviously, of Giannis Atentiacumpo. After I watched the movie, I've been pronouncing his name incorrectly. It's Giannis Adetiacumpo, and that's part of the interesting storyline in this uh, movie here is that nobody really knows how to correctly pronounce his name or to spell it, and they give him the wrong name on the jersey, and that's the jersey that he's worn ever since then. Uh, but they emigrate from Nigeria to Greece. They're struggling to care for five children, five children, had to leave one of them in Nigeria. And and I got so interested in all of the uh, Atentiacumpo, or should I say Adetiacumpo brothers in this movie. I loved the actor who played uh, Thanasis, who's his older brother. That was Raul Agata. He's two years older than Giannis. And in the movie, they make you seem like he's the star that should have gone to the NBA. He was so much better than Giannis, but you know what? Giannis did not give up. He would hit the courts every single night. They would play through rain, snow, way too hot weather to be out there. It didn't matter. And, and I loved how this family stu stuck together, and it is truly an inspirational story. It felt like anytime they were close to getting out, something would go wrong. You know, the government would be on them. The police would try to track them down. They didn't uh, weren't accepted to play in Spain because they didn't get a work visa. And it came down to one time in which the agent for Giannis is able to get him uh, a chance to play in front of a lot of big scouts. He dominates, and he gets a call from the U.S., and they say, hey, come to America for the draft. And I didn't realize if Giannis hadn't been selected in the first 17 picks, they said he wasn't going to be picked overall. I mean, this guy was raw as hell when he was drafted, and if you remember his rookie year, he was super skinny, looked like he had just learned how to play basketball, great defensively, could block shots and, and uh, protect the paint, but had no moves offensively. I still think he doesn't have that many moves offensively, but now he's an MVP. He's a world champion. He just got Damian Lillard. Everyone should check out this movie. It's given a 7.1 7 uh, on IMDb. I'm going to give it the AWOD ranking of 4.5 joggers. I have been in a sports documentary phase. I loved the LeBron James movie, Shooting Stars. This was right up there with that. Um, 
I mean, it's really inspirational. It makes you want to go and pick up a basketball and play. Uh, it makes you feel for the Giannis family and, and how the fact that all of his brothers now, four of them, are in the NBA or in the G League. It just shows you what hard work looks like and what you can achieve if you have the kind of work ethic that you're going to try hard every single day. Uh, it's just a really inspirational story. Stubb, I know you're not the biggest sports fan out there, but I need you to watch Shooting Stars and Rise and give me a book report on both of them because I want to kind of compare the two between Giannis's story to Rise to Fame and LeBron's. They're both excellent films. Well, I, 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 I'll never say no to a movie. So there we I, go. I will put them. I will see if I have the time. Yeah, I know. I do you do you say no to homework? That's the question <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> we'll see. You did graduate from Virginia Tech. How many years did it take you? Did you do it, it in four it years? It was four. It was four, which is crazy because right. I changed majors halfway through. Really? Yeah. You didn't want a super senior year? You no. could be still living up in Blacksburg. You could have been at the game over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have the money for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big well, thing. Now you are here in Richmond taking homework assignments from AWOD. Yeah. Well, I, did, I did do uh, some homework you assigned me, and I watched the first season, of, uh, first episode of Survivor. Ooh, okay. And you, you were not lying. These people <laughs> are bad. <laughs> They're such quitters. Yeah. They're crybabies and quitters. And and shame on you, Jeff Prost. You're an executive producer on this show, and you let that crap get viewed. This is supposed to be the season where everyone in the country becomes a Survivor fan because there's nothing else to watch because the strike, even though it's about to end. But it's an hour and 30 minutes of boring. Now, you got to watch it later, so you didn't have to deal with the horrible commercials that no, they were putting out there. No, it was only an hour. Uh, yeah, because of the fluff, footage, right? Yeah. But my goodness, it, was there any good part? I, I guess I'm a fan of Austin. Maybe that's it. I I mean, I think there's something a little special about having the worst team ever assembled <laughs> for Survivor. I, I think watching Yellow Team, Lulu, uh, a fail, and just yeah. that guy that couldn't climb a ladder. I know. I know. <laughs> the, the as girl soon as they showed like, him and they said content producer, I was like, oh, my God, this loser's got no shot. <laughs> Vote uh, him out immediately. Well, that's bold of, bold of you who some might call a content producer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is very there, true. There was, was a true. shot of a girl, like, sweeping the ground for their campsite. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, I, I loved it. And the, the, the lady who got out was a therapist, and, and it, she was not – I would not want her no. as my therapist. Here's the thing. Here's what I'll say. She was cute, and she had great makeup, and I think the reason she left is because she knew as soon as that makeup washes off, she's not going to look as good. She literally said, I just want to sleep in my own bed. Lady, this is Survivor. Yeah, what You're supposed you... to sleep on the ground for 38 days and win a million dollars. Shame on the producers because all she wanted to do was post that she was on Survivor, and she might go down as the worst Survivor castmate of all time. Yeah, of all time. I think that's fair. I, just yeah. it, it showed the little thing that she was a therapist, and then it had at one point she said to someone else that she couldn't stand to be around people that were negative. Yeah. So that's your job. <laughs> She's not good at it. Anything else you wanted to bring up on Netflix today? Uh, dude? We can uh, we can go over the box office from this weekend uh, real quick. You yeah. will be surprised. Number one, Paw Patrol. Is the it Mighty a horror movie. movie? No, it's Paw it's Patrol. What? What? The new Paw Patrol? <laughs> the newest Paw Patrol got $23 million. All right, we could have left that out. What's next? <laughs> uh, Saw X was number two. I've heard really good things about that, and I will say, I as a kid, we got together in high school, and we all watched the first like three movies together, and I really liked it. And then they killed off Tobin Bell's character, and I was out. But I guess they brought him back for like Saw 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10? So he's How many in have a you seen? 
I, I am actually grinding through them with my girlfriend right now for the okay. first time. I'm all the way up to six. And he's like in all of them, kind of. Saw X is is a prequel sequel. It's between but one he, and two. Wait, which one of them does he supposedly die in? Three. In three. Okay, yes. okay. So you're saying me 10 is in between one and two? Yes, it's in between one and two. Oh, my God. I, I, you know what? I'm out. I hate that out of a franchise. I hate that. They're trying to do revisionist history here. No, I'm sorry. The events of one led to the events of two. You can't go back. and they, You know what? They're trying to pull a fast nine on us, right? They're I, trying to pull a fast and furious bit. Dude, I, I, Saw, I, Saw has been doing that every single movie. They rewrite history every <laughs> single time. I, this is nothing new for them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was great though was what was it the American Pie or whatever movie it was where they had a fake saw and they had Doctor Phil in there. You remember that? Oh, bit, I think dude? that's a, one of the scary movies, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of the scary movies. Now that was entertaining. <laughs> oh man! All right, anything else on the box score we should, should give a shout out uh, to? Number three, the creator, director Gareth Edwards. He made Rogue Ooh, One. I want to see that. Yeah, I me too. I want to see that. Yeah, uh, that's in theaters right now. Yeah, right? just just released. Yeah. So the first three all uh-huh. just came out. Uh, None two is in fourth. And a yeah. movie called The Blind made it in fifth, which I haven't heard of, but apparently it's the story of the Duck Dynasty people. So, yeah, I'm out. I'm yeah, out. I don't. <laughs> I will not be watching that. I do want to see the creator, though. I mean, I, I'm look. I love John David Washington. I might love John David Washington more than his father, which is Denzel <laughs> Washington, which is wild uh, to say. But every movie and TV show he's been in have been awesome. All right, I love Tenet. He was dope in that. Black Klansman's underrated. He's really good in that. He's great in Ballers. Uh, he, he's, good, he's good in a lot of different films here, and, and so I'm definitely going to go see The Creator. That was Netflix here on AWOD Radio. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Okay, you're clear. Uh, hour two is up.